Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. So today we're starting a three-part series of King David. King David, and we're going to use as our text 1 Samuel chapter 17. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is always true. Let God be true and every man be called a liar. Thank you, God, that your word is settled forever in heaven, that you change not that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the objective today in this message, which is going to focus on confronting Goliath. I love that title. Someone say confronting Goliath. Now we write out these sermon series months ahead of time. I couldn't have thought of a better message today to counter the fear that is prevalent right now in culture, even, unfortunately, amongst Christians. So confronting Goliath is what we're going to deal with. Um, 1 Samuel 17 is one of the longest chapters in the Bible, so we're going to use narrative form to give a backdrop. But my objective today is to show the power of our covenant God and the covenant God made with his people. And some questions to ask ourselves during this message are, what are the giants in your life? What are the giants? Everybody has some challenges. Try to focus for a minute on who those giants or what those giants are. Another question to ask, especially in light of the present distress, am I in survival mode or secure in the covenant? So what happens when the necessities of life are challenged? People shift into survival mode, and you could see what people are really made out of. I was, heard, I was told the other day that there are people fighting each other in Costco and trying to steal toilet paper. Can you imagine? This is like the Book of Eli. The new currency is toilet paper, not cash. So we have to ask ourselves the question, am I in survival mode or am I secure in the covenant? Another question to ask yourself is, do I know Jesus as my victorious champion over the enemy? Oh, I feel like stopping and praising God right now. So I have to run out and preach in Staten Island. They haven't seen me in a long time. They probably thought they're... Their spiritual father forsook them, so I need to get out there. But uh, I'm going to uh, go as brief as I can without compromising the quality of this message. So, as you remember, last week when we were dealing with Samuel, he anointed David as the king over Israel, even though he was a young boy. He was probably... A lot of scholars think he was about 16 years old. 
maybe he was 17. And in spite of that, uh, his father, uh, who had eight sons, and David was the youngest, his father and his brothers did not recognize him as king. I guess they didn't believe it. And when there was a battle against the Philistines, David was not even brought to the battle. The father kept him doing what he was doing before he was anointed king. He was tending the sheep, which is a good lesson because some people get a prophetic word, you're called to be an apostle, and all of a sudden the next day they write a new business card up, Apostle Joseph. Shows, look, just go about your business until God performs the word of the Lord. Don't try to make it happen, even if you get a word. But anyway, his father and his brothers didn't seem to take it serious, and if they did, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, and so David was tending the sheep while his brothers were in the battle. And what happened was there was a champion called Goliath. Some scholars believe he was about nine feet tall. Uh, hard to tell exactly how tall he was, but he was a giant. Uh, in those days, men were much shorter, so maybe he was only six feet and he was a giant. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. But he was a giant compared to everybody else. But most importantly, he was a champion. He was an undefeated champion amongst the Philistines. And he came out to mock the armies of Israel, and he said, let somebody come forth to fight me, and if they defeat me, then we will serve Israel, but if we defeat them, then Israel has to serve us. And he mocked Israel, he mocked their uh, armies, and what we have to understand is when you mock the armies of a nation in those days, which would be considered a pre-modern era, you are mocking the God that stood behind that nation or that people. So in the pre-modern era, which people are finding out more and more, it's more true than the modern era, uh, people understood that behind every space in the natural world is a supernatural or invisible force or deity. There's some kind of God uh, we would call them principalities, powers, demons, um, that have some kind of rule of jurisdiction in various aspects of life. Now, they didn't understand it in that way. They just called them gods, and they worshipped false gods. If you want to read a fascinating book that explains some of this, there's a book called The Unseen Realm by Michael Heisner. Uh, I read through it twice. It, there's a lot of good stuff in that book. But anyway, if that's if you're interested in that sort of thing. It's very theologically dense. But the unseen world was shown to be more powerful than the natural world in the pre-modern era. And with all the paranormal movies that are coming out and uh, all the different things that are being exposed as to the weakness of our science and empirical understanding of rationalism. More and more people are believing that, wow, we might be going back to a pre-modern era because, in some ways, not in every way. Obviously, we're not going to jettison technology and the science advances. 
but in terms of understanding the power of the supernatural world. So when Goliath was mocking the armies of Israel, he was mocking their God. That's the only point I want to make here. So David's father, Jesse, sent David out just to bring some food to his brothers and to see how they're doing. Obviously, as a father, he's concerned. His brothers are in the front line. And uh, if David is any indication genetically in the way he was raised as a warrior uh, from Jesse, his sons would probably be in the front line there uh, because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So David didn't get his courage from nowhere. Obviously, he was brought up somehow like that. So his brothers were probably in the front line. David went to see how they're doing, bring them food. And when he went out there, he saw Goliath come out and mock the armies of Israel. And he was really upset. But instead of fleeing like the typical person did, when they saw Goliath, they fled in fear because David was so rooted and grounded in the covenant of Yahweh, he understood that Yahweh's enemies would be his enemies and Yahweh's friends would be his friends because when you made a covenant with somebody in those days, you went through, uh, uh, you, you went through an animal uh, in the figure eight and you recited the blessings of obeying the agreement and the curses of disagreeing, disagreeing with or, or disobeying or uh, not obeying that agreement. And basically, when you made a covenant in those days, if a tribal head made a covenant with another tribal head, that tribe would now go to war if that other tribe was attacked. And vice versa. That is to say, your enemies became their enemies, and their friends became your friends, and their possessions became your possessions, and whatever that tribe or that person you made a covenant with had, you had those, uh, the access to those resources because you were in that kind of covenant. It was cut with blood, and sometimes uh, uh, they would even cut their own uh, body and spill blood uh, in order to show that their life and their blood was intermingled. They even mingled blood. Even the American Indians did things like that. And so basically, uh, to go back a few weeks, you remember when God put Abraham to sleep, walked through the pieces of the animal, swore by himself, as it says in Hebrews 6, because he couldn't swear uh, by a man who is fragile, who is changeable, and he swore that he would bless and multiply Abraham and his seed. Well, David was immersed in that story. David knew that. David knew that God made a covenant with Abraham, but he had to swear by himself, and he brought Abraham into the covenant through the rite of circumcision. If you were circumcised, then you were part of the covenant God made with himself. If you were uncircumcised, then you were not able to partake of the blessings of that covenant, and you couldn't claim God as your deliverer. So David knew that. He was immersed in the biblical story. He knew that God's enemies would be his enemies. So when he heard Goliath mock the armies of Israel, he said these incredible words, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to mock the armies of God?
He looked at everything in life through the covenant, which is how you should look at everything in your life. Everything I look at, I look at through the covenant. I don't just look at the last uh, six hours on the cross because even though that's the culmination of the covenant, the fulfillment of it, I got to look at the whole thing. I have to look at what it means. I, I don't just look at going to heaven. I don't look at just four spiritual laws so I could be saved and escape the earth and go to heaven eventually. I look at the whole aspect of the covenant. The word salvation means salvation from your enemies, not just from sin. It means healing. It means protection. It means deliverance. That's why we have every right to believe God for healing and protection and preservation in the midst of this present distress. You might say, you sound radical. Well, why not be radical? Radical means that you are fully committed to any truth that you believe. And I'm fully committed. I'm all in. I am not half in. And I believe in the covenant. That doesn't mean that if someone got the coronavirus, they're, not in, you know, they're in unbelief and they're not a good Christian. Don't go that far, please. But it could mean that if you got it, you could believe God for healing, or the effects of it can be greatly diminished. So let's not get hyper-spiritual as well. But I believe you could believe for you not to get it, but we need not to be judgmental to those who get it, because we don't understand everything. God could use any situation beyond our understanding. And so as we understand this, David was offended and called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. Meaning, this guy's not even in the covenant. Who is he to mock Israel? Who is he to think he could defeat one of us? Who is he to think that he can defeat somebody that God is with? And God made a covenant with. And so David said, oh, I love this. Just read 1 Samuel 6, 17. I, I was going to read snippets of the, the passage. I don't know if it's even going to work out that way. So David said to the men when he heard Goliath speak, he didn't say something like, hey, can you give me advice? You guys have been warriors for many years. Give me advice how I could possibly beat this giant. Did anybody, anybody ever beat a tall big guy before? No. David was thinking of the end. He put the end in mind. And he said, what is my reward after I kill him? <laughs> you see the difference in thinking? He wasn't even pondering whether he could kill him or not. He knew he was going to kill him. See, that's faith. He spoke it out loud. He said, what is my reward once I kill this guy? And... Uh, David's brother, I believe it was Eliab, heard him speaking this way and was very upset at David. And he basically said, why don't you keep tending your few sheep? There was a jealousy there. Sometimes our greatest weapons and our greatest heroes are right in front of us. David was content to be obscure. He didn't need to be in the front. He didn't even need to be in the front line of the battle. But yet, he was the greatest weapon Israel had. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes it's the quiet ones who have the most wisdom. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if you talk too much, you're going to be a fool anyway. So, as we look at this story, uh, let's just pick up 
somewhere. Let me see where I... Uh, okay. Let's pick up over here. So David heard Goliath rank the children of Israel, which meant that he was insulting their God. Because he was secure in the, the covenant, he rose up in faith and not in fear. And he remembered the Abrahamic covenant. Now, if you remember the story of the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, listen to this powerful. I'm trying every time I preach, I try to get you to see the big story, connect the dots. So you don't just isolate David and Goliath. So you look at yourself as part of the new covenant, which is the big story of God for the whole Bible that you're connected to. And obviously, Goliath is a type of Satan. David is a type of Jesus, as we know, even throughout other scriptures. But look at this, Luke chapter 1, verse 68. Zechariah said this when his mouth was opened after the birth of his son John. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn. Horn represents strength of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Wow. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be delivered from our enemies. You see that? And from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him, or God meaning, without fear. Someone say, without fear. Serve God without fear. Serve God without fear. Serve God without fear. Serve God without fear. In holiness. I feel the Spirit of God here and righteousness before Him all our days. So you see how David was connected to the story of Jesus even uh, about a 1,200-year period later. Powerful. When John the Baptist was born. And so David was immersed in that. Zechariah was immersed in that. Joseph and Mary, Jesus realized he was the fulfillment of all of these things, can you imagine Jesus understanding he's the fulfillment of David slaying Goliath, the Satan, which he defeated on the cross. And so we already read how his oldest brother was upset at him. Then he not only was jealous, he also said to him, I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to view the battle. You know, sort of like these people, instead of helping someone when they're getting mugged or after an accident, they take out their phone, right? So he's accusing David, you just come in here to watch people get slaughtered. And so one of the weapons you're going to, I'm sorry, one of the attacks you're going to have when you believe in God is what other people say about you. People questioning your motives, questioning your abilities, especially it does come from your siblings and your family a lot of times if they don't know the Lord or if they're not walking with God. Uh, usually the people in the body that I'm growing with celebrate me more than people who aren't with me in the church. They don't understand my calling. All right, so he uh, knew the covenant 
He knew Goliath was taunting God, not just the people. He called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. He was using covenant language. And here we move on. So, verse 31 of 1 Samuel 17. When the words which David spoke were heard, meaning, what is the reward for killing this guy? They told him to King Saul, and he was supposed to be taller than everybody else, so where was he? I don't know. And he sent for David, and David said to him, see, when people are desperate, they'll even send for a little boy for help. <laughs> David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him meaning Goliath, your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you're not able to fight this Philistine. You were but a youth, but he has been a warrior from his youth. Now I love this. Listen to his answer. David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock and rose up against me, he didn't run, he didn't flee, he didn't panic. He said, I seized him by the beard. He would take a bear or take a lion by the beard. Whoa, I love it. And he would rescue the lamb from their mouth. And then it says, and when they rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Oh, my God. I love this. I love this guy. That's why God said he's a man after my heart. God's a warrior. He's not a warrior. He's a warrior. He said to Saul, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, there and again, covenant language. It wasn't because of his greatness. It wasn't because of his skills. It wasn't because he was such a great MMA, UFC fighter. It was because he knew who his God was that made covenant with Abraham, that made a pre-creation covenant between themselves when it says the lamb would be slain before the foundation of the world. It was the covenant rehearsed by Zechariah, the covenant that Jesus fulfilled and inaugurated the new covenant, he rehearsed that and he said, this guy is uncircumcised therefore I'm going to kill him. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will deliver me. Why? Because he is saved and delivered from the hand of all his enemies because of the Abrahamic covenant. He said, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Again, he gave glory to God. God would deliver him. Saul said to David, whoa, I can't argue with that. Go. May the Lord be with you. <laughs> well, what does this teach us? That if you can't defeat lesser enemies, you won't be able to defeat greater enemies. He built up his faith by first killing a bear, then a lion, before he could kill Goliath. In Genesis 3, Adam was tempted by a serpent. Because he fell into sin and man didn't deal with sin, by the time Jesus came, that serpent was a dragon. Look at Revelation 12. Whatever serpents you don't overcome become dragons in your life. A little bit of porn here, that's a serpent it'll become a dragon and destroy your family. Don't deal with that bad temper. One day you may get out of your car and pick a fight with the wrong guy and you may be killed. Yeah. 
deal with the serpents before they become the dragons. Overcome what's in front of you because it'll prepare you for the greater battle that's coming up the next day. Whatever you don't deal with today will become a giant tomorrow. This coronavirus is going to make the body of Christ stronger, wiser, and smarter. It's going to make us connect with each other, and in some cases, without depending on buildings. In some cases, it's going to cause us to pray, seek God more. It's going to cause us to advance technologically in a way that we wouldn't have so that we could reach more people. It's going to cause people to appreciate the smaller things in life. It's going to cause people to know how to live and actually have communication because they can't go to a sporting event every night and bury themselves in the NBA and Major League Baseball and, and other things. You see, this will work out and turn for good. So even if there is a semblance of judgment, some might say this is part of judgment on America or the globe. I'm not going to go there. It's not the point of my message. But even if it was, God will turn it for good. Because God is even known by the judgments He brings, it tells us in Psalm 9. And so what we have to understand is what we're dealing with today is going to give us the accumulative knowledge, wisdom, tightness between leaders and members uh, collectively in prayer to deal with something else that might be greater in the future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So don't fret, but understand that this is preparation for something more. David had that understanding. He was a wise man. Saul tried to put on, uh, on David his own armor. Look, I can't put on your armor. You can't put on mine. Because God has disseminated the gifts of the Holy Ghost according to as He will. Not everybody in the body of Christ is the same function according to 1 Corinthians 12. Everybody has different gifts, motivational gifts, Romans 12. Some are in different fivefold ministry gifts, Ephesians 4.11. Everyone's part of that, but you all have a different aspect of that. And we all flow in certain manifestations of the Spirit as the need arises. But every one of us has a different part of the body. So the way... You're going to defeat your enemy, even though we all have the same God in principle, is going to be maybe differently. And what people, I'm just going to go off in a sidebar for a second. One of the greatest causes, let's get to the root. I'm the kind of guy I get to the root of things. The root of this virus is people don't take care of themselves. Their immune system is compromised. And it's exposing everybody with preconditions. People think, and one of the reasons why so many old people are dying in Italy and China, look how many people are smoking in, in Europe and in China. Compromise. You, you, you want to smoke pot? You want to vape? Your lungs are already compromised. And so what we have to do is watch our diet as well, not just believe God for healing. And we have to understand how the root causes of some of these things. Look at the diet these people had in Wuhan. They were eating bats and rodents. I mean, you're going to eat garbage? What do you expect is going to happen? But that's a sidebar. I can't get away from health. I'm sorry. Because that's also our stewardship. And so, David goes out to battle. I love this. Oh. Verse 41, the Philistine came and approached David. 
So he wasn't called Goliath, he was called a Philistine because everybody's part of a tribe, part of a nation. Even every local church has their soul, has a DNA, has a certain thing they carry. Isn't that something? And so he was called a Philistine, by implication, uncircumcised, not in the covenant. So he came and approached David, and he had a shield bearer or armor bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth. He was ruddy and handsome in appearance. He didn't look like a typical warrior, I guess, who should be all scarred up and messed up physically. So he mocked him. He said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Because he had a slingshot. <laughs> he didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. He didn't have an armor bearer. He went out with five smooth stones that he put in his pocket, which in Scripture, five represents the grace and power of God. The five smooth stones. You could look that up if you want. I'm not terribly into numerology in, in Scripture, but there are certain numbers like 1, 3, 4, 5, 7, 9, 6, 12. They do have significance in certain passages, not every passage. So he had five smooth stones. Wow. In his pocket. He had what Goliath determined was just a stick. It was a slingshot <laughs> and he said come to me and I will give you um, I'll give you body and your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field so the enemy also knows the principle of speaking out in faith the, the enemy knows that faith comes by hearing and hear by the word of God the enemy knows that if he could speak certain words uh, whether it's on the media whether it's social media whether it's the news whether it's your friends uh, the enemy knows that if he could keep barraging you with fear 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 if you receive that in your life then you're going to think that yeah I am going to get the virus I am going to die I am going to starve to death or I have to use my hands instead of you know what so what we have to understand is there is a barrage of voices and you have to determine whose word, whose report are you going to believe, whose voice are you going to listen to, what are you going to do. Now we want to, of course, respect the requests of the governor and the mayor. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fear, the, the permeation of all these uh, narratives that are trying to get you in survival mode instead of saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. Instead of quoting what Jesus said in John 14, my peace I give you. My peace I leave you, not as the world gives. Be not troubled, be not afraid. He said, be, let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. In John 14, in John 16, it's quoted as saying, in the world you will have trouble, you will have tests, you will have tribulation. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. You'll go through the fire, but you won't be burned. When the storm comes, when the wind comes when the rain comes and beat against that house you will not fall because your house has been built on the rock he didn't say the storm wouldn't come he didn't say it wouldn't beat against your house uh, come on somebody help me but he said that you won't fall 
He said, your house will stand. Somebody say, my house will stand. My house will remain firm. Because I don't trust in man, I trust in God. Because I'm covered by the blood. Because I'm in his covenant. I'll be delivered from every enemy. Until the Lord brings me safely to his heavenly kingdom. I love what David said to the Philistine. He didn't listen to that voice. He just came right back. Voice comes to you, you speak the word right out. Don't say, oh, oh, oh maybe this is true. Don't start thinking and meditating on this garbage. I had to deal with an issue in my life for years. I received the spirit of fear because I trauma, self-traumatized myself. Because I believed. I was trying to put myself in a position that I was in before I was saved when I was in a certain situation. And all of a sudden it came back because I put myself in that situation and entertained the thought. And it battle and battle and battle on and off for 20 years. And I could say I'm, I'm probably about 98% okay. What you receive can reprogram and recalibrate your brain be careful it creates neural pathways in your brain triggers your neurons to release certain chemicals that release fear so David immediately came back against those words Goliath said I'm going to kill you David oh I love this David said you come to me with a sword with the spear and with the javelin, and might I add, with your armor bearer. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He, David was outnumbered. There was at least two people, maybe even more armor bearers. So it wasn't just Goliath. He said, I come against you in the name. I love that. In the name. In the name. In the name of the Lord of hosts. The word host means armies. The Lord has his armies, his angels. Greater is the one that is in you than the one that is in the world. There are more with you than against you. You are surrounded by a heavenly host. The angel of the Lord surrounds those who fear him and who trust in God. And so he said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you and I will give the I will and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day so now he went from Goliath to killing all the Philistines oh I love it you get the head, you get the tail. You get the leader, you get all of them. So he went from defeating Goliath, so he said, I'm going to give the dead bodies of all. Oh, boy, this is amazing. You give in a little bit, it becomes a, it becomes a dragon, right? But you cut off the serpent, you cut off the dragon. Oh, my God. Even a midget who understands the covenant becomes a giant in the army of God. And every giant that comes against the army of God becomes a midget in the spirit. Oh, God. He said, I'm going to give the... Oh, I love this. I'm going to give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. 
It wasn't so he could get glory. It wasn't so he could become king. It wasn't so he could have his name plastered all over Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. It was God granted it because his heart was after God. He wanted God to get fame, God to get glory. He wanted God to get praise, not just in Israel, but he said in all the earth that everyone would know that there is a God in Israel. If that's your heart, God will honor you. And it all may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Somebody say, the battle is the Lord's. And so when he said, I'm not coming against you with sword, spear, and javelin, he knew that there was a supernatural element behind that battle. He used his faith for the glory and honor of God. God gives us natural ability, but he doesn't depend on natural ability and strength. There are some of us who don't have a lot of gifts, but powerful anointing. Don't have a lot of natural ability, but powerful wisdom spewing out of us. Oh my God. It says that he didn't choose the noble most he said, but I chose the weak things in this world to confound the wise. God chose the youngest of the brothers, a boy who had no battle experience that we know of, who was just tending the sheep, who was obscure, to bring the greatest victory that Israel had since the parting of the Red Sea. Oh, are you catching this? Let the weak say he is strong. Let the poor say he is rich in God. As Paul said, I am content in any situation I'm in. And then he said, I could do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So no matter what the odds are in your life, even if it has nothing to do with this virus, maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational, maybe it's a physical malady that has nothing to do with this, God knows what it is. When you are a person of the covenant, God's enemies become your enemies. God's blessings become your blessings. God's possessions become your possessions. God's resources are your resources. That's what the voice you have to believe. That's what you have to speak. When those words of fear and, and, and thoughts of fear and voices come that are contrary to that, do with David. No! This is what I believe. Now, I love it. After David said that, the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David. Now, you would think David would just go, all right, Lord, help me now, help me now. No, David did this. He ran at him. He couldn't wait to get into battle. Did you ever see that movie, Troy, Brad Pitt? Ran at that giant. Well, they got that from the story, Goliath. I watched that movie because of that part. The first 10 minutes is worth the whole movie. So he ran, no hesitation, faith leaps, unbelief doubts. He didn't use the typical weapons of the world. He had those five smooth stones, he had the grace of God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. David then defeated him, cut off Goliath's head, which is a prophetic type of the day Jesus would crush the head of Satan at the cross. 
Genesis 3.15. And then Isaiah prophesied that the coming Christ, about 750 years before Jesus was born, he said, Isaiah 9, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. See, this is the continuation of the story, the covenantal God. And the government will be upon his shoulder, the armies of heaven, the nations, everything of his people. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I'm not looking for Antichrist, I'm looking for Jesus Christ. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I want you to notice in Isaiah 9, 6, one of the words, the prophetic messianic words, to describe the coming Jesus, mighty God. In Hebrew, that's El Gabor. What that means is mighty champion. Jesus is the fulfillment of the story of David, the champion who defeats the Satan in your life. That's why Paul ended uh, Romans 8 with these words. Romans 8, 31, he said, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You notice the covenant language? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all things? Covenant language. What he owns, I own. See, if you don't understand the covenant, you can't understand a lot of the scriptures in its fullness. What God owns... He's given to you. Story to prodigal son. Father said to the prodigal, no, he said to the uh, older brother, all that I have is yours. You could have a party anytime you wanted. He gave the prodigal his signet ring, which means he had access to everything. So as we end this today, other impossible situations you are facing. Are you submitted to Jesus, who's the Lord of the Abrahamic covenant? Do you want Jesus to be your David who defeats Goliath? We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.